Hey, Scott, we've got a visitor. Hey, you're Vlad Tanaka, right? You want to see me? It's not every man who saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters, earns the Medal of Freedom only to end up... Working at a burger joint. Mr. Tanaka, I'm well aware of my situation. Here's the thing. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Army of the Dead by the Minute, a podcast devoted to dissecting, discussing, I'll say breaking down in general, uh, the, the many constituent parts of Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, a movie that has so many layers, some dead, some living, some not quite either. We're going to sink our teeth into every one of those oh. layers. Obviously, people familiar with the podcast know the minute-by-minute minute breakdown that will eventually be coming as we do for these Snyder movies. But there are too many massive things to talk about in this movie, so now that we have discussed the origin of the zombie virus, and this is where you insert the aliens meme, we are moving on to probably the most taken-for-granted, but not really stopped and thought about and considered and broken down, and that is the zombie war that in this movie takes place in the opening credits sequence largely. But, but I think uh, you and I both feel that there is more story communicated there than people usually take away from it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the opening credits are very focused on like a handful of specific character arcs, but as Liberace, right. (laughs) But like, as per usual with, with Zach, there is plenty of universe building to be, kind of gleaned from things that are happening in the fringes. And after discussing the, like, breakout of the virus and how it works has already changed the way that I'm kind of looking at this movie, I'm I'm looking forward to doing the same with the actual, I would call it, I was going to say the war for Las Vegas, but it's kind of the war out of Las Vegas. Yeah. To, to keep driving the infection back. But no more to say about that. Let us get into it officially. The opening of the movie is is technically the beginning of the zombie. I think this was the the first time that I thought about how the zombie war and the zombie breakout actually starts. I guess the first time I saw it, I assumed a passage of time between Zeus standing out there in front of the whole city with, with his two first alphas beside him. And then it was, you know, I guess we're jumping over and we're not seeing exactly what happened. But I think upon closer inspection, this kind of is exactly how it happened. Like, once I remember the casinos try to make it seem like it's daylight, uh, <laughs> even though it's nighttime, and, and we get a shot of Zeus outside in the streets as Vegas is kind of going out of control in that first wave of, like, a zombie attack, and he is there, that it was, oh, and he still looks the exact same, he still has his short hair and everything, um, that I realized, I think we are actually, for this chunk of it, seeing, like, the first night or the the first hours of how this thing actually started. Yeah, it's interesting. There's there's a lot about the zombie war that is a little bit weird to me. We might get into this um, as we go on, but as it was kind of presented on set, but also based on kind of the way that it was talked about, especially with um, like the Lost Vengeance team, I, I got the impression that there was a lot more fighting like in the desert around Las Vegas, and it was a but like what it shows in the movie is a very focused on the city and inside the city. And there's a lot of things that don't like puzzle pieces that we know exist that we don't know exactly like how they fit into this because like what it shows here is like Vegas getting overrun and then 
walling off Vegas and escaping and saving people from from there specifically. But I think there's a lot more ancillary kind of things going on that aren't really focused on in the um, in the opening credits as much, but are still really relevant to the whole overall kind of situation. Yeah, I guess we should establish that as the the firm timeline, as at least as I understand it. This might literally, I don't think any of this stuff is explicitly called out by name. Zeus and his men infect Las Vegas. The I guess the alphas were biting people like crazy because there's shamblers everywhere. I think so. Well, and then and then I guess I gotta imagine the shamblers were themselves were going crazy as well. Eating, I feel like that's biting. Yeah, like maybe less. The danger of the shamblers is in volume, right? So I think once yeah. you reach a certain kind of critical mass, it's like it's it's self-sustaining even without the alphas. Yeah, they're on the streets is one thing, but in the casino you have a wall of people. You got you got your classic zombies, right? Those are the ones that we're using for well, I guess a healthy zombie can move at a pretty good rate, I suppose. If they're if they've just been turned. But either way, Las Vegas is the strip is overrun, and then we get uh, this is my understanding. You can tell me based on your knowledge base if this is wrong. Uh, it quickly becomes a state of emergency, and regular people with either military training or just weapons training start going into action to try to rescue the people in the immediate area as the zombie hordes are kind of spreading. That's where we get these, this suburbia. You know, these, these different places where one such group is the Lost Vengeance crew. That is the badge worn by Dave Bautista and Anna. Does Van have one on? I think he does on his on his gear. Okay, yeah, that's this is a taco truck? It was a taco truck, or a food truck? Yeah, a taco truck. Okay, that is the taco truck that she goes back to later on that still has her weapons in it, but... They assemble around this truck. So it is kind of left, the door is totally left open on how these people knew each other before this. But for whatever reason or reasons they had, they grouped together into a militia or even a more loose loose than a militia, these just kind of bands of zombie fighting survivor rescuers. Uh, and that is where, that's how we're introduced to Dave Batista and all of that. And this becomes like probably my favorite my favorite part of the movie is the way that they demonstrate regular people becoming changed in this like historical moment for yeah. America, which which is these portraits, uh, these like photo <laughs> sessions, as if this is like a, a PBS documentary that they're doing. Yeah, it's like you got the um, the Ken Burns. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the zombies overran the, the Sin City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The uh, and then we even get. I think one of the coolest devices here is that we actually get a character that is independent to the opening sequence yeah. of um, Soccer Mom, who I believe seems to be a part of the Lost Vengeance crew. Yeah, at least is like working alongside them. Yeah, I guess that's unclear because she's dressed like a quote unquote Soccer Mom, but she's still using like a rifle very right. professionally well, the when we first see her. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, the character's name is. The soccer mom, <laughs> which I imagined it was done for for relevance. But then her story is that she like she's looking for her daughter, and so you'll notice like she's looking through the pile of clothes and finds like a pink sweater, and keeps on like seeing like different pink sweaters and reacting to it, and then finally finds her daughter wearing this this pink sweater like in this motel later on. So it's a very much a Snyder story of like a woman becoming empowered and searching to take what's hers or whatever. I think that of of your part that you like about the kind of normal people rising up and becoming warriors or whatever, her 
like she's got like a full camp Campbell arc <laughs> like yeah. to herself in here <laughs> starting with her you know she seems proficient at the start but I mean you go to her like she's getting tattoos she's like drinking she's becomes progressively like more Ellen Ripley as yeah. the as the thing goes on yeah I want and there's so much going on in these these scenes because they're they're shots they're not photos even though you think it would be a photo is complete artifice so it's either because you have these characters and they're standing in front of uh, the looking at the camera holding like framed photographs of who they were before the zombie war so that either implies a finality to it right that that like this is over and then their story was chronicled or something which has its own like oh, that's weird i want to know more about that but the the simplest way to interpret it is it is complete artifice this is a total device uh this is breaking the fiction of the movie mm-hmm. the this is the director and these are their characters having the photos taken of them showing who they used to be and and how this changes them and like some of it is there are varying degrees of, of subtlety, but I also like the idea of like, here are the characters in our story. And mm-hmm. and it's, it, it is, I guess, with the combination of slow motion and the music and an opening montage, it just fills it with so much meaning. It isn't cool who they became. These people were massively changed and all of them, it's the kind of thing that you would only see in a movie that he made because... I don't think any other director could successfully explain the bullet points of it to a producer to get it done. Whereas Snyder would just be like, "No, I don't get. It. I'm just going to film it, and it'll, it'll, and then we'll just put it in there and see if it works." And I think it does. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a really surreal level to it. Of um, like I think what you said about it's almost breaking the fourth wall, or if it's not breaking the fourth wall, that's also fascinating, kind of in and of itself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's really well frames the whole thing. And I think one of the things that Zach pointed out about the sequence as well is how it starts off with the Richard Cheese Viva Las Vegas and then goes into the Allison Crow part and it just becomes like more somber and more heavy as it goes yeah. on. And there's this kind of playing with tone where it's like it's winking at you, but also like it's like a double wink <laughs> almost <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's all it's all just a show. It's all just fun and games, but also not really at all. Um, and I think he's, he even said that the, the whole opening sequence kind of encapsulates the, the movie itself. It follows the similar pattern of like, there's more going on here than you see, but we'll play the Vegas show on top of it. And well, yeah, we'll have the fun blowing the zombies brains out and even get our like absurd turret shot liquefying a zombie, like yeah. the zombies <laughs> legs remain standing Yeah, when, when there is nothing keeping them off there. And that is purely for... Uh, just the the fun and the gore and I like what what was Zach's term was like the tropiest tropes yeah that that ever troped is you just you want to see this this is cool but to put that alongside but also she's looking for her daughter for real exactly <laughs> yeah and and you are getting these like you said is the kind of thing you would expect from Ken Burns or like a Civil War because it was it like you know <laughs> yeah I guess it was a Civil War in a way that one side wasn't politically different they were just undeadly different but yeah then of course. The story of the soccer mom, uh, talk about putting a tone for the whole movie. The soccer mom finds her daughter. Las Vegas is walled in. She can't leave her daughter. Her daughter can't leave her behind after she couldn't leave her daughter behind. And then they are all squished and bitten and killed. And this is not a happy opening, which I think colors 
when we make the shift from this opening sequence to where these characters were is this was not like you might look at this and say that they won because it was a success mm-hmm. like they got as many people out as they could but literally the last piece of the thing that sealed this and made it a quote unquote successful mission was killing the mother that had had spent the whole time trying to find her daughter so exactly yeah what's the bodies what's what's another body buried in the foundations count the dead steven yeah <laughs> we see in the same sequence that there are military operations that go into a lot of the overall conspiracies i think that we've been talking about which we can we'll probably get into in, in an episode of its own but it isn't as if the united states military went about this the way that you think they might They instead sent in maybe some people not knowing what was coming. Then they decided to airdrop in people, which seems like an odd choice. Um, Why would they be sending small numbers of people into Vegas? It's almost like they maybe wanted some people to get Uh, to get infected. I mean, who's I mean, who's to say that that is an episode all its own. The important thing is the U.S. military and I guess like the (laughs) engineers corps, you know, um, succeeded in walling off Las Vegas, driving back enough of the undead uh, into the city that they could achieve that. And then getting the last people out who were explicitly the Las Vengeance crew were the last people out firing, you know, bullets right down to the very end as Vandero makes his way out with a man in military dress, chest full of medals, uh, in a briefcase in his hand. And that is left lingering of who is that guy? Why was he there? What happened? Yeah, exactly. When Tanaka goes to the, oh, what's it called? The, the Lucky Boy. The yeah. Lucky Boy Diner and meets Scott. He says, uh, it's not every day that a man saves the secretary of defense and gets the medal of freedom um, and then ends up working in a burger joint. And so we can only assume that's kind of what they're talking about there where that's like the, their big last mission or something. Yeah. I guess the idea of, I guess when we say loss of vengeance specifically, I think you already said, but that's, that's Scott and Vanderhoe and Maria Cruz. I think Marianne Peters, um, Tignataro was involved, like had some history with them, but I don't know if she was officially like in all of the like mate- like outside movie material or whatever, when they talk about Lost Vengeance, they don't seem to include her in the primary team. No, it would make sense for there to be an overlap, but if if they were part of the rescue operation, and and Tignataro's character is who she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, but but it is. I do get the impression that it that it is like those four that we see, and the soccer mom is the only one that didn't make it out. Right, exactly. I think that's really important to call out. There is they are the only people that we see. So so it is kind of established that even among the people who were helping in this rescue. Rescue makes it sound as if they weren't like in massive gunfire, you know, like at the front lines of it. But they established themselves as an elite group where they came out with the Secretary of Defense and there are not other soldiers with them. Yeah. They got they got him out themselves personally. One of the things that that was mentioned was um, I think they told us on the set visit. The Lost Vengeance team was turned to uh, certain missions because like the military just wasn't getting it done. If you uh, look at bad the, batch, if you will, yeah, in a lot of ways. If if you look at the uh, the badge that they wear, it says Lost Vengeance Search and Rescue. And so I've got a, a suspicion. They always talk about them like as mercenaries or as guns for hire or whatever. But I get the impression that maybe they started off as 
volunteer search and rescue, literally, like they are presented, but just by the nature of zombies and the lack of like guilt and squeamishness over killing zombies, whereas normally they might have, you know, under un, any other disaster circumstances or whatever, not been quite so violent. There's kind of an excuse here to just go all the way. And so as a result, they, you know, some of them have some background, like um, Vanderho has some military training and uh, who knows what else, you know, everyone else has. But I get the impression they started off maybe less violent than they became, but the military was turning to them because for whatever reason, their own operations just weren't. They knew how to get people out. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. The, the, especially in this kind of wild scenario. Well, and I also imagine that maybe there's an element of like, if you look at the scope that there's so many more people in the, in the army. So the, a larger group of people is at much greater risk of one person gets bit, two people get bit all of a sudden, like the whole regiment is like screwed. Whereas if you've got a handful of people who don't exactly have to follow military protocol, to get things done and there's not as many of them maybe it's a little bit easier to uh rely on a small group like that yeah i guess what like private contractors will call them even even if we don't know if they were actually getting paid for this or if they were just they had the truck obviously they had the guns they had a life that they lost right well what's interesting about it also though is that it implies that like the life that they lost is is not one they can get back or are comfortable going back to like in a way it was kind of spoiled for them like um scott doesn't have his food truck anymore and doesn't like he's just flipping burgers even though his like dream was to to own that food truck and he says i don't know if it's an explicit explicit line but something about he's good at the the zombie killing um (laughs) and it's it's one of those things where it's like look we we know like we are the best at this thing that we didn't volunteer to be the best at (laughs) we we didn't Mm -hmm. want to be the best at but we are and now we have an opportunity to use that to get something for ourselves. Yeah, and I guess we can conclude Scott lost his wife and that is part of his like his own soccer mom journey. Right. Like that that would be part of him uh you know totally committing himself to this. Maria we don't get much much insight into if if they had the truck together or cuz now she's she's a mechanic and she has the truck so it would make sense that she would go along with it and yeah. I mean who would turn down an opportunity to use that turret? <laughs> Exactly. Well, and there's also a question of they've clearly got some sort of personal and romantic history, yet we mm-hmm. know the way the timeline works that his wife died because she became a zombie and he had to kill her. And so there's also a question for me of like how much overlap is there between like was there an affair or was she the rebound or like there's a lot of complications in there that really could have really interesting implications for the team and and their relationship as far as how they operate like is is it forever tainted for him because she was the other woman and now she's the only woman <laughs> or you know maybe maybe the war changed them steven maybe and on that note uh we don't know what vandero's reasons are for fighting in the war or why he is the one who ends up with a uniquely changed i'll say relationship with death Based on what he does after this, like that is the big question mark is on him obviously stretching after this movie based on how it ends, but also before and what we're not seeing in the in the zombie war from his point of view. Yeah, he he's a really fascinating character, not just because of the way the movie ends, but uh, obviously that's a big part of it. He has some sort of 
proficiency outside of as far as like we know he's the only person in the group that had some kind of weapons military tactical training of some kind even though in the photo he is shown receiving his master's of philosophy right well he also has a master's in philosophy (laughs) but also (laughs) also had i think in the uh the making of um army of the dead book i think it's i think the official title is army of the dead a Zack snyder film the making of he he says that Vanderhoe has a um, whether it's Navy SEALs or Marines, he's got a high uh, aptitude and and training in uh, the the military. Um, and he also has a some kind of weird history with the zombies and Zeus specifically. That's kind of weird here also, which yes. isn't really implied in the movie. The one thing that people pick up on is the fact that when they go into Vegas, oh, with the coyote, with the coyote, he's the one that says like that knows about the alphas and like nobody else really knows about them, which is weird because he was on the same team as them. Yeah. One thing that Zach has said in interviews is that Vander O had an experience or saw something during the, the zombie war and actually had an encounter with Zeus previously, whether it was as Richards before he became a Zeus or when he was actually Zeus. And there's a little bit of an inference. You, you see something, some kind of level of recognition or respect or, him and Zeus kind of they see each other when they when they confront each other and that's not a way that he really Zeus interacts with any other characters in the movie like the fact that they go toe to toe in a like a fist fight that implies a level of like gentleman fight <laughs> that that you you don't get that kind of chivalry i guess you could say even you guys kind of had this like bloodbath of zombies snapping necks and killing people and then you have Zeus actually face off with Vanderhoe and so there's something changed Vanderhoe's perspective maybe his biology i don't know and then obviously we don't we also don't know fully how zeus became zeus other than he was in the military and something some kind of testing went wrong yeah scott kept his guns uh maria kept the truck you know loaded with everything that, that was there as these were kind of part of their life or still kept in a way that was like they hadn't moved completely beyond. It was still to go back to. Whereas Van has to drive out into the desert and dig up a massive container that he took all of his equipment and his weapons and wrapped them up and threw them into a plastic container and buried them out in the desert. Like that implies that the experience was different for him. And he also, yeah, he also doesn't go back to his old life. Whereas Scott right. is flipping burgers which isn't the life that he wanted, but it's it's a it's a hint of it. Or Maria yeah. is a mechanic. Once again, it's kind of like living in the shadow of what they were trying to become before. Whereas Vandero, I guess it's implied he was he was working on cars, scrap or something. It's implied that he went into like a more noble profession. A little bit. Well, also it's interesting though. It's it's more noble, but he's also closer to like mortality. It's like end of life. Yeah, caring for people at the end of their life. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is really fascinating as somebody who is very philosophical. I think what Zach said was he saw something or had an experience in the desert that explains why he's so philosophical and obsessed with Joseph Campbell and that stuff. And so the fact that he then goes and takes care of people in their last days is. That is how it changed him versus how it changed everybody else. He's got a consciousness about death. And whether we'll get into a, in another episode about the how literal or figurative the potential time loop concepts are, time travel or whatever is going on. But it's clear that regardless of how literal or metaphorical it is, he has a perspective 
that recognizes the cyclical nature of, I mean, his exact quote is fighting and dying, fighting and dying, fighting and dying. That yeah. that's just kind of what we're doing. And if you, if you remove that from any sort of a harebrained theory or conspiracy or whatever, he's just recognizing the human condition of like, that's sure. kind of what yeah. we do, not how the movie ends versus how it starts. Like it's, it's yeah. uh, another thing Zach said is that if there were a, a movie leading into this one, it would end with Zeus breaking out in the same way that this one ends with Vandero on the plane, which establishes that as the the next cycle of fighting and dying. That probably covers most of the stuff that, that we wanted to talk about, or if there is more stuff in terms of the logistics or what we what stands out to us, we'll get to that. I know the Joseph Campbell quote, that's going to be like a half hour conversation on that alone. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot more to cover about the like the military and the, the history with aliens that leads oh, up yeah. to the war. But I think, I think the next episode will work really well to fold that in with robot zombies and the military and aliens and, and basically just like a melting pot of WTF is going on. <laughs> This is us calling out what I think is a, a major part of the world building and the plot and character development of all of these characters, even though it is shown in the opening of the movie, which can often be not dismissed, but but I think overlooked as doing actual character work and, and actual um, exposition for a lot of this stuff. One might think there were a lot of people doing this everywhere, where what we're talking about shows that this Lost Vengeance crew was... A standout. So then, as we move on to the story of Van's role in this, the military's role in the movie, it's going to become clear that like people who miss that opening zombie war are overlooking a very integral part of the story, but are also not getting clued in just as much as those two lights flying out of the out of the Area Fifty One clues you into what this movie is about or what the zombie virus is about. Not absorbing all of this and the things that are being communicated cannot clue you in on the continuing role the U.S. military plays <laughs> throughout the actual length of the movie. Yeah, I think the, the big thing that the movie, the focus of the movie is so much on the Zeus chapter of this story that it makes it seem like Zeus is kind of the be-all, end-all. Whereas... We know from uh, some details in the movie and some kind of external interviews and stuff that Zeus is just the most recent event in a long history of the U.S. military and aliens going back to we don't know how long that results in Zeus. But so even when you tie up all of those stories, you get rid of Zeus, you end all you get you, you close off Vegas, all of that aside, there's still something massive and even bigger than this going on that this is only yeah. kind of a hint of. Yeah, what what isn't shown in the movie is that when when Zeus is out and they say the package is compromised, we could then get a cut back to Brent Spiner <laughs> in his Area 51 base turning to a military official and saying this zombie cold war just turned hot. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode covering the zombie war end on a high note. I keep rewatching parts of it for this, for these sections, and I'm like, I actually really just want to, I, I cannot wait to, to take a, a closer look at a lot of this stuff. But people who want to do that, great news. All you have to do is just stay subscribed to the podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter to find out new stuff or developing when new episodes are coming, you can do that at AOTD by the minute. But if you want to support us with dollars as well, you can do that uh, at patreon.com slash Snyder Minute. 
and keep the lights on and keep the servers filled for Army of the Dead by the minute, BVS by the minute, Justice League by the minute. Lord knows what else is coming to SnyderMinute.com. That will do it for the zombie war. War never changes. Fact. It is a, a stone cold fact. Are are you suggesting there is another sequel spinoff chronicling Stone Cold's crew fighting the zombie war, like the, the uh, Stone Cold Stunners? Uh, this is this is getting this is going south <laughs> real fast. Uh, 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 and just killing a zombie, and I really want that now. He's doing Thai commercials. He'd probably be down for it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess I'd be down for it. Like if it's a, a make it a make it a three episode spinoff series on Netflix. What happened here? Where the police and military finally fell. Vegas's last stand. Whoa, whoa! Everybody, be quiet. Did you hear that? understand they're not what you think they are i don't give a damn what they are they're all on the list and that's stone cold's list and i'm fixing to start running through all of them we're talking about the other ones i don't give a damn if it's davy boy smith or Shawn michaels steve austin's time has come and that's the bottom line because stone cold said so obviously anything but humble 